98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. It is noon, and that means it's time for all of today's top sports stories in one place. It's Wolf and Down Your Lunch, and here to deliver, as always, is Aaron Maloney. Aaron? So the Arizona Cardinals did fall to the Ravens yesterday in preseason game number two, 24-17. So with barely any starters on the field, do preseason games give enough time to judge players? Here's Cliff Kingsbury. You do. Um, that's what you want these preseason games for, is, is to evaluate those guys when they're trying to execute it, game speed under the lights how do they respond and so I think we've gotten a bunch of good evals when we're sitting you know our, our top end guys for the entire preseason what were your overall takeaways from the second preseason game it's hard for the for Kyler calling the plays and, and calling them pretty successfully in the fourth quarter to not be my biggest takeaway just and we were talking about it this morning it's it's been a topic for the last uh, couple weeks I, I found it interesting that on the national broadcast last night they brought up the the study clause again. I don't know if that's going to be like a, a thing that comes up again in week one against the Chiefs or what, but to me, the biggest takeaway is Kyler calling those plays. Yeah, once again, um, I'm going to focus on the players. I'm going to focus on the individuals because you really can take nothing from a team perspective, in my opinion, at least, away from the preseason. So I'm going to say that um, Trace McSorley, I thought, was okay. Uh, he wasn't getting much help from his offensive line, but I thought Trace McSorley was okay. I thought Jonathan Ward was fantastic. I thought like Jonathan Ward t- made a huge stride in actually sticking with his team. And then I thought that Chandler Wooten, 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 <laughs> whatever, W-O-O-T-E-N, Wooten. I thought he actually flashed a lot. Very, very interesting to watch that young guy go out there and make the plays he was making right there. So once again, individually, yeah, it was a success. From a team perspective, not so much. So when you look at the second preseason game, how many spots do you think are still up for grabs? Well, I mean, you've got to, you're going to have to... You're going to have to figure out what you're doing at receiver and running back. I'm going to take Cliff, not at his word like he has to stick to this, but just more kind of reading the tea leaves when he says they're going to keep three quarterbacks, where he said it was at least possible that they would keep three quarterbacks. And like you've been saying, they did it last year, and Chris Traveler was not nearly as NFL game-ready as Trace McSorley appears to be. Um, I mean, if you're going to keep three quarterbacks, you're going to keep four running backs, I don't know, six receivers. I think a lot of these spots are already pretty locked up, don't you? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go four. I think there are four positions that are going to be open right now. And special teams will decide which four are actually going to stick. What do you think about Wooten? Because he's an undrafted rookie out of Auburn, but yeah. he was he was all over the field last night. You couldn't help but notice him. Can I see it again, please? Chandler, please, let me see that again. Because that got my attention. There's no denying that it did. But that's a long, steep climb for a guy that is undrafted. 
Kyler Murray put on the headset once again as he led the Cardinals to two touchdowns while calling the plays. So what are the benefits of Kyler learning how to call plays? Here's Cliff Kingsbury. He, he gets a chance to really back off, see the macro view of it, and, and see what all goes into it, the p- protections, and you know, know where the back goes, and, and um, seeing the coverage, and um, then even the, the leadership on the sideline, you know, talking to Trace about, hey, this is what I'm looking for on the plays. He's giving them tips um, before. It's just a, a good way for him to stay involved and, and just see it from a different perspective. Our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, is Kyler Murray's play calling versus the Ravens something or nothing? I think it's something. I, I don't look. They're not going to win against the Chiefs in Week One because Kyler called plays last night. I get that, but I, I think it's it's something on the level of it's Cliff kind of being innovative. It's not like a super complicated thing where it you know puts everybody out. I think you're keeping your quarterback, your young quarterback, very engaged at a time when he typically wouldn't be in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. You know, I, I think this is going to be something. There's no doubt about it. I, I think this is going to become a thing with some young developing quarterbacks in the National Football League where a coach is going to say, you know, we're in preseason. Why don't you go ahead, man? Yeah, you know, this is year two for you, Joe Burrow. This is year two, year three. Why don't you go ahead and actually don the headsets and start calling plays? A young developing quarterback. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Even though I still think you'll have some people like Bill Belichick trying to break it down, the preseason film, and what you are calling because it's so vanilla, because nobody's game planning, and then try to read into your quarterback's soul. I think that's that's probably true. 81% say it's nothing. Wow. 19% say it's something. Wow. I'm voting really? for something. No, I say that's something. Okay, well, I didn't raise it. We're still at 19%. Kyler Murray last night on the sideline spoke to Aaron Andrews and they asked him what he learned from the end of last season. I think there was a lot of negativity around the building, a lot of negativity around the team that kind of just got contagious and took over. And I think um, a lot of the guys felt that. We understand what you know what we need to do next uh, and how to take that next step. Obviously, it's been a great camp. The guys are working hard and we're excited about the season. It was personally how I felt. Hearing Kyler Murray on the sideline with Aaron Andrews seemed different. It wasn't pulling teeth trying to get answers, and he seemed engaged. Yeah, I, I think that that's... Look, Aaron Andrews is usually pretty good at, at pulling good answers out of athletes anyway, but you're right. Kyler Murray just in the past has just kind of been closed off. Not like a jerk, just kind of like, I just don't want to talk about stuff. Or if he has to talk, he'll just kind of mumble the answer and kind of laugh and walk away. Uh, it, that's not an isolated incident. He's been pretty articulate. It's funny when you have to struggle to find the word articulate, isn't it? Isn't that like, that's, yes. that's the definition of irony. <laughs> but I thought Kyler was pretty articulate and has been for most of camp. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I didn't get to hear the interview at all because I was obviously doing the broadcast. So I don't know exactly what he said altogether. But I will tell you that um, I do like the fact that Kyler is, I think, reaching out and trying to make an effort of actually being better. Being better in front of a camera. Being better in front of fans. Being better overall. I think that's good going forward, especially when you locked him up to a six-year deal. And then really quickly, guys, the Athletic Sham Sharania gave a Kevin Durant update this morning. He says the Grizzlies are the newest team interested in KD. 
So, where do you think Katie will be next season? The Western Conference or the Eastern Conference? See, this is tough because I've kind of come to peace with, you can just go ahead and, if you're the Suns, move on without him. But you can't have him ending up on Memphis or, you know, any other team that was already a contender. So to answer this question... I still think the Suns are the front runners, so I guess I'm going to say the Western Conference. You know, it feels so weird because of what Sham Sharania is actually reporting, and he puts the Grizzlies and the Suns on Tier 3. Tier number one is the Boston Celtics, of course, right? And then he's got Toronto, and he's got Miami on Tier number two. So that gives me a little bit of pause because we know Shams is so tied in the way that he is. But at the same time, Vegas is saying... Who's the favorite? They have Boston at plus 150. They have the Suns at plus 200. Those are the two favorites. And Memphis is moving up the boards. Okay, so there you go right there. Interesting. All I know is this. Kevin Durant wanted to be a son, specifically to play with Devin Booker. Uh They're going to get rid of him. The Brooklyn Nets, they're going to get rid of him before the start of the season because it's untenable, right? To me, it's untenable. What he said about Steve Nash and Sean Marks, it's untenable to bring him back. So it's going to have to be a bit of a garage sale, a fire sale, yes, a garage sale as well. So if that's the case and KD wants to be a son, more times than not, you look at it, man. That's what happens. The All-Star gets his wish. If if DeAndre Ayton were tradable this offseason now, if, if Indiana hadn't offersheeted him, I would be like 95% certain. Now I'm more like 50% Suns, 40% Celtics, 10% some other team where he's going to end up. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as always, Aaron. When we uh, come back with barely any starters playing, are the Cardinals really getting all that much out of this preseason? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, if we had the conversation earlier in the show, we brought it up to Kyle Vandenbosch, Dave Pash as well. You know, we knew the Cardinals weren't going to play Kyler Murray or some of these other starters last night. And they're probably not going to play him against uh, Tennessee in the preseason finale. But I tell you, when I looked over at Kansas City, who the Cardinals are going to play in week one, and saw that they were playing Patrick Mahomes. And he was 12-19 and for like almost 200 yards and a couple touchdowns. It just kind of gets me wondering, because you have so many new pieces in the passing game with no DeAndre Hopkins, but with Hollywood Brown here and, you know, with Trey McBride and even Zach Ertz wasn't here at the start of last year. I don't know. It's just a lot of moving parts. Are you falling behind a little bit because these other teams do have preseason games and they're using them? Because the other thing is the Cardinals haven't even used Colt McCoy. You know what I mean? So it's not even like you're using your second string guy. Yeah, exactly. Listen, um... You know the way I feel about this. I'm an old school guy. Of course, I, I'd want to go out there and I'd want to get a little grease. I'd want to get a little dirty, get a little blood in the mouth. I would want to do that before the games actually counted. I would want to do that. Having said that, nobody would have to teach me 
how to go out and hit. I mean, I could do that right now based on earnings. <laughs> Think about this. You could put a mouth guard in me right now. I could put the shoulder pads on and put the helmet on, and I guarantee you, I in my brain would know exactly how to hit you, Luke. I would know exactly how to do it. Is this why you're going to Tennessee tomorrow? <laughs> Just in case? No. Just in case Hokit needs a couple snaps off? No, oh. it is not. But you get it. I, I, I know exactly what I have to do. Now, my body couldn't do it anymore. It could not. But I know exactly how to do it. That's my point. There's a lot of guys that really don't need the preseason work. They don't need it. But I think it's on a, an individual basis. I think it's a situation like I wouldn't be surprised if, in fact, Andy Reid went to Pat Mahomes and said, do you want to play this preseason? Do you like playing in preseason games? How many reps do you want in the preseason? Seriously. I I think he's probably done that. Now, I could be dead wrong on that, but I think there's a lot of coaches in the NFL that are leaving it up to the player. Do you feel like you need the work in the preseason to get ready for the regular season? I could be wrong on well, that. Well, especially but. the example you just gave, too. You're talking about a franchise quarterback. I mean, Patrick Mahomes even more so than Kyler Murray. Patrick Mahomes is, is going to make like half a billion dollars if he plays out this entire contract he has. He's won a Super Bowl. Uh, I believe he's the best quarterback in the game right yeah. now. He did struggle at times. I love Bama. Relative to, I think a lot of people would, would say, 2022, okay, who you're going into week one, who do you want to be your starting quarterback in Week one, all due respect to Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or whoever. Week one, yep. I think you would take Patrick Mahomes, and they're letting him play in the preseason. I'm not saying that's right. It just that was the moment, Wolf, when I looked over and was like, the team the Cardinals are playing in week one because Kansas City doesn't have Tyree Kill, yeah. So they got to work in Marcus Valdez Scantling and some other pieces in the passing game and do a couple drives. Do that for you? Maybe not, but. You know, if the Cardinals go out there their first couple of drives and it's, it's like, oh, these guys don't look like they're on the same page yet, and the Chiefs are just moving up and down the field, yeah. you might lose that first game because of who you're playing. I, you know, I know exactly what you're saying, Luke, yet at the same time, I think of the Arizona Cardinals and how they were beating the Tennessee Titans and how well they started the game on <laughs> route to rolling up the Tennessee Titans. They started the game so well. It wasn't just one game either. It was the first half of the season. That's true. They were literally on fire. So, you know, I know what you're saying. And, And again, as an old school guy, I don't know how you don't get your quarterback out there with the wide receivers and run live situations because you're not doing it in practice. You're not doing it. Even if you are, you're not doing it live. It's more thud drill that they're doing in practice right now. So, yeah, for me, it makes so much sense. Of course, I'd I'd want to get my quarterback a little grease out there for a couple of series. But the evidence says otherwise. Yeah, look, I'm not not saying it's wrong. And if you weren't going to do it in game two, I don't know why you would do it in game three. I just I feel like last Last year, and I'm, I'm trying to look back at the, the second game against the Chiefs in the preseason last year. Like, Kyler did play a couple drives through four passes. I mean, four passes for two yards. Again, I don't think Kyler needs it. It's just 
we, we're really not going to see Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown on the field together until after the opening kickoff of week one. I know. And, and Think about that for a minute. And admittedly, what is partially driving this for me is if they were playing the Texans in week one, I wouldn't care. Or if they were playing, you know, whoever, Chicago, you're playing the Chiefs in week one. So that's why I was kind of keeping an eye, like, are the Chiefs going to run their guys out there? Well, they are. Okay. Yeah, this, was, this is a great conversation because I was terrified of the Tennessee Titans last year. You know this. I, yes, I remember. I this. was talking about this. Are you kidding? Of all the teams, the Arizona Cardinals were going to play. It was going to be the most physical team in the league, the Tennessee Titans. Are you kidding me, Cliff? You're not going to lock these guys up, and you're not going to let them get out there and get bloody and dirty and and, and physical, and you're not going to let them. <laughs> You get my point, yeah. right? No, they I, walked right into that game. Oh, my gosh. They destroyed the Titans. Physically bettered the Titans on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So, um, look, uh, I things have changed in the National Football League. It doesn't mean I would do it that way. I think I'd want my quarterback to get a little grease out there. I think I'd want my starters to get out there and bust it up a little bit, not because they needed it, just because, hey, you know, <laughs> what's it really going to hurt? Oh, I don't know. Maybe your guy's going to blow his knee out. I, but I, I mean, it's it, changing, man. It, it feels, really is. It feels like we're not even seeing a lot of the second stringers. You know I, what I, I know. Mean? Like, you know, it's because that's that's totally by plan, Luke. It's because they know this guy's going to make the team. Yeah, he's one of our best special teams player. He's a backup. He's going to make the team. Why play him? I'm I'm looking at the game last year. The second preseason game was against the Chiefs. And again, these guys didn't play a lot, but like Kyler did play. Colt McCoy was 13 of 18. The Colt McCoy one, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know if the arm is still an issue or what, but I wouldn't mind getting Colt some reps because you know you needed him for three games last Colt's year. Colt's like I've seen it all. Yeah, I've seen it all. Too old for this gonna, preseason. Nothing's gonna surprise me. James Conner played in that game last year. AJ Green, Christian Kirk, they were out there at least. Neither one of them had a catch. You know, maybe it's doesn't mean anything, but it's just, it is, I guess what I want to say is they are playing even less guys this year yes. than they did last year yes. that are going to play in week one. Yeah, they are. Um, so we can expect them to roll the Chiefs. <laughs> is that what we're saying? Maybe they're just, maybe they're, maybe they're doing the opposite. Maybe they're being like, well, we're going to play the Chiefs, so we're going to need to score 35 points. So we're just <laughs> saving everybody for week one. <laughs> Truly incredible. The NFL has changed. There is no doubt about it. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, Kyler called the plays once again last night. How much is that helping him in the offense? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf. Feels like draft night. We have a trade to announce. You ready? Arizona Cardinals trade a 2023 fifth round pick to the Buffalo Bills for guard Cody Ford. Bill Kuyper Jr. 
player profile. You look at Cody Ford, he's got versatility. He's played left guard. He's played right tackle. He's a guy who I think can be because of the way he run blocks, and he's developed into a really solid pass protector. Can be an effective pro bowl caliber right tackle, or you can kick him inside the guard. The only issue at right tackle will be dealing with the bend guys, the quick, explosive guys coming off the edge. He can handle that. His career in the NFL should be outstanding. You know, Maloney finding those draft profiles from the last 10 years, perfect, especially perfect for a play like this where the Cardinals trade for Cody Ford, uh, also went to Oklahoma. I'm sensing a pattern here. <laughs> Cody Ford, okay, um, 6'3", 330 pounds, so he's got a little wiggle to him. I like that. Uh, he blocks for Kyler, right? This is a guy. <laughs> yes, you're right about that. This is a guy that um, was taken in the second round, number 38 overall. And here you got him for a fifth round pick. And what does this portend? What does this mean? When you look at the guards, Will Hernandez, of course, as your right guard, and Justin Pugh as your center. What? <laughs> I'm just saying. Don't do this. Well, uh, I'm, don't, okay, don't what do is this. it? I, what? What is going on? I, I Listen, I'm not going to speculate. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. Why would you acquire an interior offensive lineman that uh, it appears could be it could be a guy that might get a lot of reps. I'm talking game reps here. I, I don't know. I, I worry about the fact that we haven't seen Rodney Hudson uh, yeah. all of training I camp. I know. That's the one I thing know. that does make me nervous. And we're just speculating. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. And Lord willing, it's not well, going to happen. I think, I think what's safe to say is they want some depth. And they went out and got depth at a position that Justin Pugh plays. So, you know, Rodney Hudson said he's coming back. You're right. We haven't seen him at all camp. We're not going to see him in the preseason. Let's assume he's coming back. But you still, maybe they like Justin Pugh as their best option as his backup. Yes. If he has to miss games in the season or whatever. I don't know. When I, when I heard, hey, the Cardinals made a trade, I immediately thought, okay, which corner did they get? I was not expecting to see they added a guard because they have a lot of offensive linemen. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, again, too, maybe this is just a situation to your point right there. They need depth. Um, I keep counting Justin Murray. Justin Murray is a guy that can play guard. He can play tackle very much like Cody Ford. Maybe that's what they're worried about as well. Justin Murray. Um, Listen, they got Josh Jones, who's more tackle than anything else. Justin Murray is more guard than anything else. And maybe he's not healing quite the way they were hoping he was going to heal. I, again, I'm left to speculate on this right now. Probably shouldn't do that, but um, Sean Harlow is more center. So maybe this is just a situation where they're looking at it and they're doing it for depth, knowing that Justin Murray's still not playing. Or they're just trying to recreate the entire Oklahoma team that Kyler played on before he got drafted, because now you've got Hollywood Brown, 
and uh, you've got Cody Ford, and you've got, of course, Kyler Murray. Uh, yeah, look, they didn't give up much. They gave up a fifth-round pick, so it might not be anything. But you're right. There's got to be something behind the thinking of, let's trade this fifth-round pick, which doesn't have a ton of value, but for a guard instead of something else. Maybe they just really like Cody Ford, or maybe they haven't liked what they've seen from some of the depth guys at that position, or maybe they just want more stability there. I mean, I think the Rodney Hudson thing that you brought up, I think that's a real thing. Not that he's not going to show up for the season, but just, you know, that what was happens a panic if he gets hurt? Move. That was a panic move by me, because I really didn't understand why you would do this. Maybe it is the Justin Murray. Maybe it is just from a depth perspective, of course. Um, but the fact that we haven't really seen Rodney Hudson, I, no, it does bother me. It's it bothered me, too. It's because, and this is a great transition, which I don't know if you did that intentionally or not, but, uh, but Kyler Murray hasn't played in the preseason, but we have seen Kyler Murray. And so, like, to me, he was the face of the game last night. He never even stepped on the field. He was yeah. just calling plays. Yep. We have seen Kyler Murray. We really haven't seen a lot of Rodney Hudson, even at camp. And so maybe it is an eye-opener of, like, what if this guy got hurt in week five or something? Do we have enough pieces to move around right. behind him? I, I'm with you. It has been a lot of the conversation, honestly, now that we're, we're thinking about this, or I'm thinking about this out loud, that we've been having about are you getting enough out of this preseason probably does stem from the fact I haven't seen Rodney Hudson in a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I would just like to see the offense out there for two drives and then, you know, shut it down for the rest of the preseason. It makes you a little nervous, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he is your starting center, yes. Rodney, can I talk to you for a minute, please, over here? How you doing? How, how do you feel? How's the body doing, Everybody, man? What's uh, going yeah. on? Let's see, you ready for that uh. first game? <laughs> Uh, here, this is Andy Isabella last night talking about Kyler Murray's play calling abilities. I thought he did great. <laughs> was good play. Uh, I mean, I mean the plays were good. I mean, it seemed like it didn't seem like any, it was anything different. So um, I thought he, he called it just how Cliff uh, would call it. Here's Cliff on how the how doing this uh, this exercise should benefit Kyler. For him to see it from that perspective, the macro perspective, and understand from that um, view the coverages and the protections and where the back has to go um, and then I really like him talking to Trace and giving him tips and then you know him and Colt talking about plays I mean it's there's a leadership aspect as well so it was fun to watch them um, interact tonight yeah I love it man I really do we've talked about this before I think it's really really good for Kyler Murray I think if there if there's truth to the idea that Kyler just gets this stuff quicker and so maybe that's that's tough when something like the study clause comes out and that becomes a national conversation and Kyler's like look man I just I grasp these things I'm not saying this is definitely the case but I'm just saying we've heard rumblings of this Kyler just gets some of the stuff quicker so then it's like should he still be watching as much film yeah but maybe he gets it quicker. It's almost like Wolf when you were in school and you had the kids that were like in the gifted program. Like they, if if you didn't keep them occupied, they would get bored. I almost wonder if that is what it's like with Kyler. Like Kyler's got it down. Are you just going to sit him for the entire preseason and have him sit there and watch the games? He's going to get bored. So if you're Cliff, you're like, here, why don't you be a coach yeah. for a couple of these quarters? Because he's into it. You see Kyler on the sidelines, like he is into the coaching. You know what's so different about this though? When you have a coach who's actually calling plays, he's calling 
plays because he's, he's looking at what his offense is capable of and what the defense is doing. And that's why he's calling plays because of what his offense is capable of and what the defense is doing. It's always a combination of those two things right there. Any good play caller as a coach is going to do that. But when you have a quarterback who is actually calling the plays, it really is a little window to his soul and what he likes, especially in preseason where you're running vanilla offenses and you're running vanilla defenses. You're not game planning for an opponent. Are you, John Harbaugh? You're not game planning for an opponent. So it's kind of a window into what a quarterback likes. That's the one little thing about it that gives me pause. But having said that, I love this idea by Cliff. I noticed he did call the uh, the Trace McSorley run play from the goal line. I guess it was an RPO and Trace kind of ran it. But still, he, he called a play where Trace could run the ball into the end zone and he yes, did. Yes, an RPO that turned into an incredible invert because they crashed. They literally crashed off the edge and he kept the ball touchdown right in there easy walk-in yeah it was it was i don't remember who the running back was at that but i think it was ingram and that he was just killed. buried by like eight ravens there's guys that coming off the sidelines to it tackle him. inverted zone read uh here's cliff on kyler calling the uh, run plays at the goal line that was good that was good yeah we struggled the first time to get it in and um they they came up with a couple good calls to, to actually punch it in there they made sure to put the graphic up on the tv too of uh Drives where Cliff okay. has been calling the plays yeah. three points. Two drives where Kyler's called the plays fourteen points. Okay, the one thing I just wanted to say right here, honestly, you know, it drove me nuts. But the first and goal at the one, <laughs> first and goal at the one. Yeah. Okay, where you you threw the ball twice, <laughs> and yeah, I know you ran it once and got destroyed, <laughs> got absolutely destroyed. But man, um, at some point in time, first and goal on the one, can we line up and just bash that thing? Just run it in, in with Ingram or whoever. Get it yeah. in. All right, we come back. Back to basketball. There is a new team in the Kevin Durant conversation, and it's not the sort of team you want in the Kevin Durant conversation. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, we're seeing more and more headlines like this pop up. This is not Rush, by the way. Okay, yeah, I, I knew that immediately. Somebody, uh... You gotta admit... He does. Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, Coheed. Coheed. Coheed, I always forget that. Cambria, I remember. Coheed. It's always the Coheed part you forget. Uh, somebody wrote in me. Me wrote in. Not me, but like their name is me on Twitter. Wrote okay. in. So that's Claudio Sanchez, lead singer of Coheed and Cambria. He has a very distinct voice. I mean, even this right here, listen to it. Sounds like Rush. And then the guy sings, and he's getting me. They have to be heavily Rush-influenced. Oh, my goodness. They Seriously, I know nothing about Coheed and Cambria. You made that quite a fair. Other, other than the fact I kind of dig this, you, you, if this is them. But I dig it like because it. I kind of dig Rush. Does that make sense? It does. It makes, yeah. makes a lot of sense. Listen to that. Oh, my goodness. What a ripoff. 
if that's his voice. If that's his voice, what's he supposed to do? Do you think, like, in interviews, he's like, hello, my name is uh, Claudio. No, no, but it's even the music, man. That's just kind of rushed right now. Okay, I'll get off it. Let it go. Until we come back to it in a half hour. Uh, So headlines like this one on Sports Illustrated from a couple hours ago. Grizzlies express interest in trading for Kevin Durant per report. Now, the report is courtesy of Sham Sharania earlier today. And it wasn't just that. He's talking about a potential Donovan Mitchell deal with uh, the Knicks, kind of going through all these things. But it's his uh, Sham's inside pass. He mentions how Memphis is a team to watch in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Instantly, their odds in Vegas to land Durant went up. But the Vegas odds still go Boston at plus 150, Suns at plus 200, and then everybody else kind of behind them. And I tend to believe that those are the two teams truly in the running here. I'm not saying another team couldn't get them, but like Toronto doesn't make any sense to me. If I'm Toronto, I'm not giving up Scotty Barnes and all these guys unless I have assurances Kevin Durant's staying for more than one year. Yeah, it just it seems so crazy because would you say that Sham Sharania is locked in? Would you say he's he's tied in, right? He's, Might be the definition of it. He honestly, he's got an awful lot of contacts, basically, on these, and all of a sudden he came up with a tier system. He had Boston number one on the I, the lone team on the number one tier to actually acquire Kevin Durant, and then he had Toronto and he had Miami on tier two, and then he had the Grizzlies and the Suns on tier three in terms of likelihood of actually being able to land Kevin Durant. Does that sound? In line with what Vegas is saying? No, it doesn't. No. To me. Um, and why is that? Why is that? I, I have no idea, but I, I know there's a lot of disinformation that is out there right now. And I'm not saying that Sham Sharania is one of these guys that is spreading the disinformation. I am saying teams will go ahead and use people that are in the press to spread disinformation. But I, I think this one we can actually logically work out. Because the Suns are really the team where there seems to be a discrepancy, right? Vegas thinks, yeah, he wants to go there. He's one of the two favorites. Shams thinks they don't really have the pieces to trade for him, so I'm going to put them down a little bit. We know like, if Kevin Durant made his tiers of where he wants to go, the Suns are on the top tier. And if there's another team, it's probably only one, and it's probably Miami. And Miami doesn't really have the pieces to trade. We talked about this a little bit earlier, and this, to me, the story from Shams today, because he does go into why the Suns are a little bit lower on his list in terms of likely. And he says they've dangled Mikel Bridges, which I was hoping we didn't hear at any point until a trade was done, whether it was to Boston or Phoenix or whatever. I just I didn't want to hear Mikel's name officially out there as an offer. You why? Know what I mean? why? Why did you not? Because they didn't I... take the offer. <laughs> so, what, what, do you, what do you think it's going to do to Mikel? I don't think it's going to do anything you think to it's gonna break? No way. I, I mean, honestly, I think Mikel Bridges already knew. He already, I'm sure he did. He, he already knew everything that has happened out there. His agent, I'm sure, has been told multiple times. For all I know, and I, this is what I would expect, knowing James Jones the way that I think I know James Jones, I think he probably has had deep, involved conversations and Monty Williams does. with Mikel I, I, Bridges. I, I hope you're right. And if that's the case, then whatever, this is business. But I just think back to Boston when Shams said, hey, the, the Celtics have been dangling Jalen Brown, and all of a sudden Jalen 
Jalen Brown is tweeting out SMH and the Celtics on their website are writing a story about how much they love Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum together. I'd rather not have to go down that path with the Suns because there is a decent chance. I still think the Suns are the most likely team to get them, but it's not 90%. It's like 50%. There's a pretty good chance you're running it back with the same team. You know, think about it right now. Misinformation is somebody that is is misinformed. Okay? I I I, I misremembered, right? Who wrote that? Who said that? Roger it was Clemens. Roger Clemens. I think he misremembers. Remember that? Misinformed is something that misinformation, of course, is tied to. Disinformation is the willful, wanton desire to mislead, to do it on purpose, okay? To spread false disinformation. I, I feel the need to point out because people can't see you. You're not like reading that definition. You, no. you gave a like Webster's Dictionary definition off the Please, top of your head. Okay, I'm just saying right now, and that's what I think there's an awful lot going on right now. I, I use the funnel analogy. Once again, imagine a funnel, right? There's all this stuff in the funnel. All this, wow, look at all this. And man, the Memphis Grizzlies are in on this thing right now. And Sham Sharani's got tears. And man, there's a lot of teams that are involved. Involved or rumored to be involved in this or want to be involved in this. There's all this stuff in the funnel. What is coming out of the bottom of that funnel? Brooklyn. (laughs) That was good, though. You get it. What's coming out? Kevin Durant wants to be moved. He wants out. He hasn't thrown a fit yet, but he wants out. He wants to be moved. Guess what? The Brooklyn Nets have to move him. They have to, right? I mean, this is just me. It's untenable to actually go back, and there's Steve Nash trying to coach you after you said, fire Steve Nash, and I might come back. Oh, fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks, and I will come back. <laughs> you know, to me, um, it's untenable that you bring him back into that locker room, into that organization. It is. So those two things are coming out of the bottom of the funnel to me. And the Suns is where he wants to go and wants to be. Somehow, where there's a will, there's a way. This, this, is, <laughs> this is dangerously close to becoming one of those great what-ifs in Valley sports history, right? Because if, if Kevin Durant... Look, if nothing happened this offseason, if Kevin Durant stayed on Brooklyn and there was no trade request, I think we're all fine with the Suns giving it another shot. They had a really, they had a borderline great team last year. I understand they didn't get done in the playoffs, but I'll take my chances with that team again. But now that Durant's available, in the way things have played out, it's going to be a great what if if he goes somewhere else because you're going to have a really hard time convincing me and probably a lot of other people that if, if Indiana doesn't offer sheet DeAndre Ayton or if Kevin Durant has that meeting with Joe Sy before Indiana offer sheets DeAndre Ayton, you're going to have a really hard time convincing me that Kevin Durant wouldn't be on the Suns. Because everything you're saying is right. Brooklyn's got to move him. And he wants to go to the Suns. And when the Suns had Ayton available to trade, they had enough to work out a trade. Even if Brooklyn didn't want Ayton, you could try to push Mitchell to Brooklyn from Utah for Ayton. You you could get creative. The Suns don't have the pieces to get creative right now. And now I think is when if, if you had all the pieces, you could go to Brooklyn and be like, trade him. You don't want him. He so, can't play for you. So exactly to your point right now, why are the Suns then supposedly, reportedly really active in these trade talks? <laughs> That's going on right now. Why are they there? Don't they know? You, you signed DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet. What, what are you talking about? 
She's because still she's available. the deal. Because Kevin Durant's very available. Because That's Kevin, why. And not only that, because Kevin Durant wants to play for the Phoenix Suns. That's what I think. And that's the reason why James Jones is still in there swinging. Even though he's got no brass knuckles on, he's still in there swinging. Why? Because he knows he's still got some kind of chance of doing it. Of landing him. Because he also knows, Brooklyn, no way, they're going to get rid of him. And don't say it's going to be for full value with Kevin Durant. Don't say that. Because the closer you get to camp, the more that untenable situation becomes apparent. They're going to move him. And they're going to do it with the best deal they possibly can. And just hopefully not do to a Western Conference team. There'll be a fire sale on it. Uh, the line from, from Sham's story that you're sort of referencing says that with DeAndre Ayton signed to a four-year max contract and unable to be moved until January, Phoenix has attempted over the past month to make creative proposals to Brooklyn, possibly via three or even four-team trades, where an all-star caliber player goes to the Nets, but the Suns have yet to find a suitable deal. And that is largely why they appear to be behind Boston, Toronto, and Miami in the Durant sweepstakes. Unquote. So he basically just said, because Indiana offers you to DA, the Suns don't have the pieces to execute this trade that would be happening, I think, right, so why, right now. Why are they so busy? Why are they Why are they in there fighting right now? Because they know he's going to be moved before the season. After preseason game number two for the Cardinals, do we have any answers in that running back room? We'll discuss that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.